It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta, Georgia to compete for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land in the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you 100 to 1 odds on the golfer of your choosing to finish in the top 10. If you haven't tried DraftKings, this is the time. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any golfer from this weekend's tournament, and if they finish in the top 10, you cash $100. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all of the action and choose your golfer before the tournament tees off Thursday morning. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the golfer of your choosing finishes in the top 10 of this weekend's tournament. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What is up, Wizards Nation? Welcome to yet another episode of Wizards Walkthrough with Chase Carroll. I come to you in pretty terrible circumstances here as the Wizards fall 120 to 91 to really probably the worst team in the NBA in the Detroit Pistons. Yes, the Wizards were without Bradley Beal tonight. They were without Davis Bertans. They were without Daniel Gafford. But at that point, you're just making too many excuses here against the worst team in the NBA. Uh, the Wizards shot 6 for 19 from the free throw line. That's 31%. And they shot 5-for-19 from the three-point line, even worse. So um, you can't win basketball games shooting that terribly from the field. I don't care who you are. Um, you're not going to win. And Russell Westbrook put up his triple-double. He'll be happy about that. His fans will be happy about that. Um, but really, it, this was one of those misleading Russell Westbrook triple-doubles. And I'm not putting the loss on Russell Westbrook by any means. There's many reasons why the Wizards lost this game. But Russell Westbrook... Just was not good enough tonight. He had nine turnovers, seven for 16 from the field, one for five from three, and one from six from the free throw line. Your star putting up numbers like that, you at least need someone else to produce, and no one really did tonight. No one stepped up alongside of Russell Westbrook and and helped take over. And Rui Hachimura started off the game looking like he was going to be that guy. He had eight points in that first quarter, but he was frozen out of the game. Uh, only ended the game with 10 points, so something happened there. Coach Brooks has to get him the ball, but at, you know, Coach Brooks, after the game, had plenty of excuses for why the the team hasn't been playing well, and he said that he didn't want to make the excuse that they were injured, but really, he continuously made that excuse. So I, I have uh, Matt Moderno on from Bullets Forever. Um, the writer for Bullets Forever, and he's also the co-host of the Believe in Wizards podcast with Larry Hughes. I have him on the show coming up here. We really dive into the state of the Wizards as a whole, what we think of the team moving forward, because we we have a lot of question marks as we head into this offseason and, and this final stretch of games. 
why Scott Brooks is still coaching, why he's still on the bench, I have no idea. Um, I don't know if Matt knows that answer either, so we'll, we'll dig into that. And at the same time, we'll also dig into Tommy Shepard. Where, where does the problem lie in this team? Is it in the coaching staff? Is it in Tommy Shepard? Is it on the players? Or what I think, it really comes down to the ownership who is allowing all of this to happen. So Matt and I dive into that here coming up shortly. I appreciate you all listening, and I will catch you all later. I am joined now by Matt Moderno, writer for Bullets Forever and co-host of the Believe in Wizards podcast with Larry Hughes. How are you doing, Matt? I hope you're doing a little bit better than the Wizards tonight. You know, my expectations are so low at this point that it, I almost can't get too mad. Although tonight, tonight really pushed that. Uh, that, was, that was rough. Yeah, that's uh, that's an understatement, I think. Uh, I There's been a lot of bad Wizards games this year. I would argue this may have been the worst game. And I, I don't know, there's been a long string of bad games here recently. So there's a lot of competition with this one. But this one's up there with one of the worst games of the year against one of the worst teams in the NBA. Uh, yeah, we were saying before we got on air that, that Scott Brooks was, you know, talking about how, well, it's because all the players are out, but not to make excuses, but the excuses, all these players are out. I, I mean, it's fair. Like you miss Bradley Beal, like any team you take their best player away, they're not going to play as well. But there are also lots of situations in this league. Like if you watch the Bucks anytime Giannis is out, those guys play hard as shit. And I don't know that I would necessarily describe uh, them as playing particularly hard tonight. No, and that's a complete in indication of the coaching, I think. Um, I think it's falling on deaf ears as well. I don't, I don't think they even want to listen to him at this point because, I mean, what is there to listen to? This guy isn't, hasn't shown to be a good coach here in these last few seasons, but here, here he is hanging on by a thread for, for whatever reason, I don't know. But at the same time, he has that, he has that excuse of, of injuries. Sure, Bradley Beal's out. Uh, Daniel Gafford's out, but at the same time, no one's making you start Jerome Robinson for a third straight, fourth straight game after this guy hasn't shown anything on the court in his first few starts. Why, why would you go ahead and throw him out there to start the game? And uh, they immediately went out to a, a big deficit, not, not only because of Jerome Robinson, but I would say a, a big part of that early stretch was Jerome Robinson's struggles and, and other guys not hitting shots along, alongside of him. I don't watch enough like other teams enough games during the year to know if this is like a routine trend around the NBA. I would assume it's not where guys go from completely in the doghouse. They never play to starters. So the team loses four games in a row and they're back to buried on the bench or they play well. And then they end up buried on the bench again or the inverse of that. Like I, I can't remember ever seeing that while rooting for this team, even from Brooks. So I, I think part of this is he's just totally lost on what to do with this team. He's probably lost them. He is a lame duck coach. So there's probably some amount of like effort. Let's try something crazy and see if, you know, we catch a magic spark. And 
it hasn't worked out, I don't think, a single time this season, but he's still throwing shit against the wall. So I got to give him a little credit for that, I guess. Right. I mean, if, if Jerome Robinson's going to be on the roster, despite, uh, you know, his, his deal is up after this year, they did not extend his contract beyond this year. They, they declined his option. I mean, if he's going to still be on the roster, that's Tommy Shepard's fault for, for Scott Brooks putting this guy in the game. Because if you're pushing for a playoff spot, you know, I, I feel like there's got to be somebody on the street, someone, yeah. even in the G League, that can put up some kind of production that, you know, I, I haven't seen it from Jerome Robinson at all in his Wizards career. And uh, the Clippers were quick to ship him off for, a, for a, you know, Isaiah Thomas, who they immediately cut. So, it, you know, we thought that was a good deal, getting off Isaiah Thomas by getting yeah. a young guy in Jerome Robinson, and he just hasn't shown anything. Uh, you know, it was a good deal at the time. You, you got something for a, a guy um, that was, you know, he, you know they were going to cut him. So Him not working out doesn't mean yeah. that it wasn't a good trade. It you was know, a good like, trade. Uh, just, uh, unfortunately, Tommy's had a lot of those where, like, it, he made the right deal, but not a ton of them are panning out. And, and one of the few I think did pan out was Wagner. <laughs> and, you know, you had a coach that just, like, sort of hated him from day one. So you just – as a GM, like, I don't know if they're not on the same page and he's just not allowed to fire Brooks or, or what the deal is, you know, they're sort of both semi lame ducks to an extent, you know, like, right. Tommy hasn't done a lot to like lock this job in long term. The best thing going for him is that he has an owner that almost won't fire someone unless he has to. So for real, it's not a ringing like, endorsement. I, I don't understand what they see in Scott Brooks. You know, if, if they're saying, you know, if he was good at developing the young guys, for instance, you'd understand like, okay, they're losing, but the young guys are developing. But what we see with Scott Brooks is he enables Russell Westbrook to play a Russell Westbrook game, which sometimes, as we saw a couple nights ago, will lead to a, an MVP type performance where people are talking about him and, and you know, all the media's is talking about the Wizards again, but then you got nights like tonight where, yes, he puts up a triple-double, but is, is that a real triple-double? That th Tonight was one of those triple-doubles he sometimes has where um, not efficient. You know, he's getting to the free-throw line, but he's not it's hitting not anything. Yeah. No, no one, you know, no one made free-throws tonight, not, not just Russell Westbrook, but, um, you know, he it's went – contagious. Yeah, he went one for six from the free-throw line, one for five from the three-point line. You're not winning games – uh, with with your leader chucking up shots like that at an inefficient rate, but at the same time, other guys got to hit shots too. No one, no one hit shots. Six for nineteen from the free throw line tonight. That's that's got to be one of the worst free throw percentages I've ever seen in an NBA game. You know what is that? Thirty one percent from the yeah. in high school. We had to shoot seventy percent in practice, or we're sprinting the entire practice. Yeah. These guys the worst are in free the free throw shooter on your team. Had to do that, or you were running. Yeah, exactly. If you if literally if you missed more than more than four you're running and these guys shot 31 percent in an nba game from the free throw line that's just not going to get it done they had no chance of winning at that point we've talked like i've asked larry this on our show a couple times like and he'll say like there were just certain nights where like as a team there's just like something off or like nothing works you're on the road it's like cold it's the last day of like a long road trip whatever but this happens more than than the team can like sort of defend as like a one-off you know we just kind of didn't have it tonight sort of deal and I don't really know what to make of it and when they made the Westbrook trade I thought like okay well 
most of the roster composition in Oklahoma City was him surrounded by like long athletic defenders and then made up for him defensively a lot, but he also had no shooting. So presumably you think you have Beal, you have Matthews, you have Bertans, you have Bryant, like all these guys, like he should be loaded and they're either not in the lineup or they can't hit the rough side of a barn. And it's like, okay, so now he has no shooters and no defenders around him. He's thrown the ball away like crazy. And, and he's a guy that as good as he is, I, I think he looks drastically better with help. And, you know, he, he just sort of hasn't had any either. Definitely. And, and something I want to dig into a little bit is, although Bradley Beal was out tonight, um, I think we've seen Russell Westbrook at his best when Bradley Beal has been out. And I think we've probably seen it vice versa, where Bradley Beal's probably best when, when Russ isn't in the game with him, you know, which is, you know, I, I hate to to see this you know these guys are locked in here it's seemingly for the next two three years because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you saw Ted Leonsis's tweet today um, basically uh, I don't know that that basically solidified in my eyes that Russell Westbrook will not be gone from from DC anytime soon I don't, I don't know if uh, what, what do you think about that he, he doesn't care about winning he's not going to buy someone out to leave when that guy brings a built-in fan base with him like if no one gave a shit about Westbrook it might be a different story but he, he comes with a big following that's clearly a motivation between some of the draft picks you know some of the signings uh they're, they're trying to tap into some markets that'll bring them a little extra revenue and I don't know, maybe bring a little extra attention to the sports book he's got rolled out there. Like <laughs> that, that's clearly the priority right now. It's not building a winner. And until that changes, I don't think anything they really try to do matters. It's just sort of like, you know, bringing in different mismatch pieces and, and putting like an eight seed out is kind of like the ceiling at this point. Right. And it, yes, that's the ceiling. And, and that's what they continuously say they want to achieve. They want to reach they want to reach the play-in game. And at this point, they're not even reaching that. That's something that they've uh, – if you're going to come into the season and say you want to compete for the playoffs, and yet you see this product that your team's putting on on the court, at what point do you say, okay, Scott Brooks, you're not getting it done. Tommy Shepard, you're not getting it done. Someone's not getting it done. Who Who is it that's not getting it done? Yeah. Is it because are you are you shouldering it all on the players? Because then you you sure as hell didn't get rid of enough of them in that case. If if mm-hmm. if this is a a player issue, which I personally don't don't see it as an entire player issue. I I think a lot of this sh- goes on the shoulders of Scott Brooks, and until until something changes there, you're you're stunting the development of Rui Hachimura, who. This guy started off with eight points in the first quarter, and he ended with ten points the entire game. It's embarrassing. Why? Why is he being frozen out of the offense all of a sudden? And and is that is that Russell Westbrook doing that when he gets in on you know on the court? He he didn't play for a little while when Rui was cooking, and then he comes back in. And I I don't want to shoulder this all on Russell Westbrook. Why is Scott Brooks not getting this guy the ball? I think you know Scott Brooks has to be the one to tell Russell Westbrook. Hey man, uh, you're 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 dishing the ball out very well right now, but this guy's cooking. Like we got to get him the ball. He scored 30 points last game. He's he's hot. I wonder if that's part of it though. Like they've upped his usage, they've upped his minutes, they've upped his role. He's also trying to guard the other team's best guy. Like tonight could have just been very simply like he was tired or a little burned out or whatever. And like I, I didn't see him like you know like clapping to try to get the ball or, right. or anything. Right. So. I'm not going to throw that one like totally on Westbrook, but it's, 
it's a failure across the board. I mean, what, what you just went through is like, you can say yes to literally every group there having some part to play in this. And when that's the case, you move all the way to the top of that ladder and it's Ted. I mean, if they suck at the end of the day, it's, it's because he's allowing them to suck. This, this is where I ended up. I, I wanted to go this direction with the pod. I, you know, we could, we could talk about the game all we wanted, but at the same time, like at the end of the day, this is the same game over and over and over that we've seen over and over and over. And we're hearing the same things from Scott Brooks yeah. over and over and over. At what point does someone, when, when does Tommy come out and say something? When does Ted come out and say something besides when they win a game? Because that's, that's the only time we ever hear from Ted Leonsis about the Wizards. The is, Ted flex. Is, the, the, the Ted Twitter flex. The, you know, they, they win two games in a row and all of a sudden, Here's Ted. We haven't heard from him in, in three weeks. You know, where, where have you been? And, you know, I'm, I'm fine with him defending his player in Russell Westbrook. But at the same time, that tells me we're, we're in for Russell Westbrook, whether we want that or not. So how, how do we build upon this? Because right now we have a, a core centered in Bradley Beal, who's not leaving. And we have Russell Westbrook, who appears to not be leaving. You got a ton of money tied into Davis Bertans, who is now going to be a tough trade I uh, you know in my opinion coming off an injury he really regressed as an as a basketball player this year some of that COVID some of that just being out of shape but you know something something's gonna have to change next year and I don't know where that's coming from I, I'm like the eternal pessimist which is kind of annoying I, I think to listen to for the most part but before the Bertans deal I was like look or are we sure that last year wasn't the outlier? And that's a long, de- like I would have rather grossly overpaid for three years and, and just assume somebody would eat a shorter deal than, you know, uh, like a slight underpay, but we gave him, you know, four full years with a, a semi fifth. Like it just, that, that scares me, especially when to that point you hadn't shown that he and Rui can competently play together in meaningful situations. You're moving toward a Rui extension halfway through the Bertans deal. So are you not going to commit to him because you're locked into Bertans? Like that would be a very wizard's move to be like, well, we already have a big money power forward and we're not going to keep Rui who could get better. So it just, there's no path like there's I understand that like Shepard's hands were sort of tied with like he got dealt like a bad deck but a really good GM would find a way to creatively either get off some of these deals or build around the team they have and like Philly's the prime example right like they underachieved last year the roster made no sense they had a lame duck coach that everybody was sort of passive aggressively sniping at and and you brought in a coach who Doc may not even be that good an in-game coach, but like he carries a certain amount of weight. And because of that, like Embiid came in super fit. They put in like a couple fringe pieces that just made the roster make sense. And and now all of a sudden they're like, they're scary to play. Like, I'm not saying we're a few moves away from that, but we're like a few moves away and a solid coach that could get Westbrook and Beal to play a style that works together away from being competent, I would think. I, I think we're all in on Masai at this point. If, yeah. if it's, it's Masai or Bus, because if, yeah. if not, they need someone with some power in that organization. The guys like Tommy Shepard and Ernie Grunfeld just aren't going to get it done anymore. They need someone who's, who's I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> someone who's willing to make the risk that that needs to be taken in order to take 
this franchise to the next level. And I, I want it to just be built with the young guys. It's what I want. But I know that's not the direction this team's headed. So I guess it's just uh, hope and pray at this point for, for something to change. Well, at least if they were bad and young, like as a fan base, you can rally around that. Like, you know, right. the whiz kids, you know, or whatever you want to yeah. play. They'd, they'd be fun to go out and root for some like 23-year-olds that, you know, maybe they were getting their butt kicked half the time. But there's like hope for the future. Even last year yeah. was a better watch because there was hope for this year. And I think that's why this year is so bad. Because it's like, okay, there's literally no hope for, for next year. And last year's hopes were dashed. Right. Like they went into last season not promising anything, not promising playoffs. Yeah. And and that's exactly what we we, we didn't have any expectations. You mm-hmm. you trade for Russell Westbrook, who's a former MVP. He's um he's clearly a guy you go for if you're winning now when you're trading your your past franchise player in John Wall. You're 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 trading him for someone you think can help you win now. And that's exactly sure. what they what they always said from the mm-hmm. start. So this is the product we're getting and it's not good enough. And I, I don't know where they go from here to make this a, a winning product, but they're, they're far from it. You, we saw it tonight. I don't care that Bradley Beal's out. You got to at least have guys that can step in. They have no depth whatsoever. And, and some of that is just Scott Brooks not playing the right guys. Some of that is, is Tommy Shepard not having the right guys in the building, but all of it is on Ted Leonsis and for allowing this to happen. So that that's kind of my closing remarks on this on this situation. I I want to, if you have any closing remarks on, on the state of the Washington Wizards, please let it out. I know you you wanted to scream into the mic. You know I just I like I we said I can deal with somebody being bad. I don't like when the organization treats us like we're stupid though, <laughs> and, and and that's honestly how I felt the last couple years and. Like, I loved the Tim Connolly idea, local guy. He's got ties to Maasai and other, like, veteran front office guys. And their biggest problem has been that they've drafted so well that they've had to, like, ship guys out because they can't afford to pay them all. And, and like, I, would, I can't imagine what that feels like to have, like, eight guys on the roster that you drafted that were, like, overachievers. Like, the only people we ever get it right are, like, mostly slam dunk, pick, slam dunk picks, but then – you know, Rui, I, I think, was sort of a reach, and, and I think he's exceeded probably collective expectations. But other than that, there's no one else on the roster that's been drafted here, you know, in the last eight years other than him and Beal, like, that they contribute. Like, it's insane. And we're not going to tank and all this shit where you bang your fist on the table. And then you have a GM that wants to be here, and you give him a middle finger offer below market value for an average general manager in the league to keep the guy that was the, the back, you know, the guy who wanted Jan Vesely in the first place, like that alone should eliminate <laughs> oh you from the job. Oh, it's nuts. I, I hate to say I was in on Tommy Shepard after year one, he made a lot of, you know, the, the bargain bin deals that ended mm-hmm. up being good because, you know, they, they did get a good player in Davis Bertans last year. Mm-hmm. They got Mo Wagner for free, mm-hmm. Isak Banga for free. Some guys that I feel like could have been shipped off for some real pieces, but here we are with those same guys, somewhat, somewhat Celtics-esque, but with lesser players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Celtics have, have been holding on to their guys too long for, for years now, and I think we're seeing uh, what, what happens there. They, they're really crumbling 
And I think that's what we are to even lesser extent. We, we held on to our guys for too long. Guys like Davis Bertans, you probably could have got upwards of a first round pick at the trade deadline last year, or, you know, they, they ship off Troy Brown jr. For, for, you know, they get Daniel Gafford in the deal, but that's the guy that they're dumping off. So uh, yeah, that, that's the state of the wizards right now. It's rough. Definitely rough. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on to the show. You got anything to plug for us today before we head on out? Uh, nothing special. Uh, if folks want to hear a much more credible person talk about basketball than myself, obviously keep listening to Chase, but my, my <laughs> co-host uh, Larry Hughes knows what he's talking about. So I think he offers a slightly different perspective. So if you're fed up of uh, the former players on the broadcast just being collective homers, Larry keeps it real without being mean and I think that's a that's a skill in the media that that I wish uh, other folks around here were able to sort of learn from I completely agree with that we we can discuss the broadcast team in another pod I feel like we we will need to discuss that pretty that soon. deserves a whole hour it, yeah <laughs> it sure does but uh, I can't even listen to them for a whole hour so who who wants to listen to us talk about them for a whole hour it'd be cathartic for everybody though I think to get it out oh definitely well thank thank you so much Matt for coming on I'll I'll have you back on here uh, in the next couple couple weeks sounds good man thanks for having me all right see you. <laughs>